welcome to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumpser. Good morning, Stacey. How are you? Morning, John. I'm doing well. I'm actually not too far from you, so I'm getting to look out over the San Francisco Bay's foggy vista today. So uh, doing well today, just wrapping up the Oracle Open World uh, Conference. A beautiful Oracle Open World. You know, one of the things I wanted to be sure to mention is, is we have we have a sponsor these days, and it's pretty exciting that somebody's decided to sponsor these shows. Benefit Ed is a company that does um, student loan repay, repayment benefits. And, and so, so we'll hear from them later on in the show a little bit. I've been to Singapore and back, which is which is a pretty crazy adventure. Um, if you've seen the movie Rich Crazy Asians, Singapore is this science fiction city of about six or seven million people with more cranes on the skyline than I've ever seen anywhere. I understand there are more cranes in one city in China and in Abu Dhabi, but but it is so modern that I, I can't even begin to describe it. And the buildings are gargantuan. Wow. So considering that you live in the Bay Area here with with all the various new buildings and technologies that tend to come up in this area, you're saying that that was Gantuan. Um, that's, that's saying something, yes. <laughs> so so in, in the section, well, uh, did you see the movie Rich Crazy Asians? I have not seen it yet. It is on my list of to-dos, but I did not get out to see it when it was in the, in the theaters, yeah. It's 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 worth seeing, and and this gives a little bit of a picture of Singapore. I was in a building that was a hotel, and the hotel had three towers that were sixty stories tall, and straddling those three sixty story tall towers is something that looks like a surfboard. So so imagine the the symbol pi with an additional leg. And the thing on the top is this huge garden. It's, it's mind-boggling, mind-boggling. Wow. And from, from the rooftop, you can see that there may be 50 other buildings that would be easily confused with pieces of art um, of the same scale. The skyscraper scale straddling the the place where the ocean meets Singapore. So mm. San Francisco has maybe ten, and it sits on top of a subway. So the whole city has been redone since about two thousand, and it sits on top of a subway system that was designed with all of the buildings that are going to be there over the next forty years already in mind. So you can get everywhere on the subway very, very easily. And it is a singularly diverse culture. So it's amazing. And and I was there to give a keynote at uh, something called HRM Asia. Uh, and the, the day was an interaction between eight vendors and about 300 uh, practitioners. Um, and they, they, they got into small groups and the vendors, you, you know, there's this sense that that Asian countries are behind the United States in technology, but you couldn't tell it from this event. Um, yeah. Companies like Pymetrics were there, PageUp was there, um, and this is all very contemporary technology. Yeah. So, so I, I, I got a good bit of culture shock. 
um, um, and a whole lot of time zone shock. It's 15 time zones away. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so you're still catching up a bit. It sounds like um, on just uh, figuring out which time zone you're in. But it sounds like it, an amazing experience. I mean, you know, I think one of the things that we see in our data is that, you know, the, the just the sheer numbers, right, are just so large when you're talking about anything in the Asia Pacific market that when we're talking about, you know, five percent or ten percent of the market not having the various HR technologies there compared to here in the states that the the 80% that does is such a big amount right and so that i think you're you're sort of emphasizing the 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 numbers and as you said the the level of um planning that's going into that kind of technology at least investment wherever you were at right there right it's it's a stunning situation so if you include india and china and japan and Southeast Asia as Asia, which, mm-hmm. which people tend to do, um, the middle class, the, the people like us, making the same kind of money that our middle class does um, um, is three times the size of the American population, maybe four times the size of the American population. It's, yeah. it's a huge, huge marketplace. And and significantly larger than the American marketplace. And, and we're going to talk today about some investments that are being made in that larger marketplace. Yeah. Well, you're going back there a couple of other times this year, next year, right? So I'm sure we'll be getting continuous updates on, on what's happening in that market. It sounds like um, not only are there vendors that are investing in there, but there's also events and, as you said, more practitioners focusing in that space. So so I think we're going to be updating quite a bit in uh, that market um, over the next year or so. Uh, so I look forward to hearing more. I'm assuming you'll have some good stories at some point to tell us as well throughout uh, the session today or our call today because um, you always have a good story or two to call, come back with your travels. But <laughs> Well, you know, you know I, went, I, I took a day and went on a tour of temples in Singapore's Chinatown. Um, and there were Buddhist, uh, Tibetan Buddhist temples and enormous Hindu temples. I, I, I wandered into a bow-taking ceremony at a Hindu temple that was, it was intriguing. It was intriguing. It was unlike anything that I've ever seen. The, the, the building itself was a shrine covered with hundreds of near-life-size statues of animals and musicians and all different kinds of manifestations of Hindu gods, including the, the temple itself was, was started by a simple guy. And there was a building in the back that you opened the, you opened the doors, which were like 10 foot doors. And it was like, it was like 15 feet tall and 15 feet wide, and 20 feet deep, you open the doors, and the entire interior of this small building was the, the guy's face from his mustache to his head, to the top of his head, that's the back wall of this place. So I've never seen anything like it. Um, oh my goodness. <laughs> it, it was, it was otherworldly. Um, and 
lot of the experience there was sort of otherworldly. I, I, I delight in being culture shocked, and and I got a good bit of that. Uh, uh, just just the sense that that I don't understand what's going on here. But I was in, I was in a mall that had to have been a mile long with sixty foot ceilings that had every imaginable Western sort of Rodeo Drive brand, all of the all of the unique exotic designers from the US and Paris and London, uh, 700 stores maybe. And it was so big that the, the centerpiece of this mall was a, 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 a reverse fountain. And so what I mean by reverse fountain is in this fountain, the water came from the ceiling into the pond rather than going up the way that most fountains do. And so there was yeah. a dome in the ceiling that looked like it held maybe an Olympic swimming pool's worth of water. And it would fill up over the course of an hour. And then on the hour, the, the, the hole in this dome, upside down dome, would open and all of the water would fall down into the pond below it. Um, and, and it was, it, it lasted about a half an hour. Um, and it was like sitting next to a typhoon. Wow. Just, you but know, oh, by the way, in the middle of the small. Right? Yeah. <laughs> not, not the most important thing. It's just, it happened to be out in front of the Chanel store. And there was a, a cafe that that sold coffee and baguettes around the perimeter of this fountain. And then, you know, the I'm going to forget the name of the Las Vegas hotel that we go to that has canals in it and gondolas in the canals. Yeah, the Venetian, yeah. The Venetian. Well, they had, yep. they had a similar, much larger idea that had little miniature Chinese junks um, uh, going around to give you a sense of the scale. These these small boats probably held eight people, and the pond where the fountain dumped um, was big enough so that when it was going, twenty of them would be circling the um, the, the waterfall. Wow! <laughs> uh, before they went back on their trek. Um, yes, and the, hoping you didn't get stuck under it while they were there, right? <laughs> well, that was, I think that was the thrill of the ride, was, was that you might get yeah. <laughs> Well, well, definitely. And I think you're one of the few people who really thrills at culture. I mean, I know other, a few other people who do, but I know culture shock can be hard for people who aren't used to it, right? Um, I know myself, it's, it's a difficult thing. I try very hard to, to lean into it. Oftentimes, it scares me totally. But I, you know, it's amazing when you can just embrace it and be able to just enjoy the fact that you were someplace that just feels completely different from where you've been at before, right? So. Yeah, it's, it's like you feel you feel like something's really wrong, and yeah, exactly. and that's where the excitement is. Yeah, exactly. Oh, wow. Well, that is fascinating. I mean, it, it it sounds like you had an amazing uh, journey, um, not only in sort of getting a sense of what was happening in the HR technology side, but also in the sort of just experiencing the environment and everything. So hopefully we've given everyone a, 
uh, just a, a glimpse of what you had the opportunity to experience. I'm sure we'll have more of it throughout the uh, if, uh, if, next if couple of weeks. For the 20-hour plane ride, I'd go there every day. <laughs> Few limitations on that, yeah. <laughs> So, so tell me about Oracle Open World. You're, you're, you are, you are in the in the region of the giants. Um, yeah. Um, is the giant waking and doing anything? Well, it is. You know, it, it's interesting. So, so I had the opportunity to um, come here. I had a, a client meeting out this way, and then um, Oracle Open World was the same week. So I attended both, and um, and uh, before I jump into that, I should probably say also in Amsterdam at Unleash this week, um, where I did have an opportunity to share some of the European data for CR Cedar, uh, Lexi Martin uh, presented for me because I wasn't able to do that session. So just a big thank you and a call out to Lexi Martin for delivering um, some of the data that we released this week on the European market, with the European market's numbers are definitely increasing their spend in HR technology. Um, but yeah, so this week I, I got a chance to sit in and some of the Oracle Open World events. Um, the, the, the couple of big things here um, that, you know, I got out of the, the session this week is one, you know, I, I think this is not new news, but it's definitely been talked about and maybe was a little bit more um, concrete this time is that um, Larry Ellison and Mark Hurd talked a lot about what they're calling the generation two cloud. Um, and the idea of the Generation 2 cloud is that they are creating a cloud environment that has separate code for cloud controls as well compared to the code running the client data. Um, and from their explanation, now I'm not a, a, a technical person, so I would have to get some insight into how, you know, how accurate this is. But from their explanation, um, the, the, this reduces the ability for anyone to actually hack through basically your customers getting into your code that controls your cloud environment and opening up um, areas and restrictions they're not allowed to in cloud environments. So sort of containers within containers ideas, right? Um, so that was, was a big, big conversation. Lots of people talking about security. They had a big panel of past generals and CIA directors and people that I thought was very intriguing talking about cybersecurity um, and the fact that, you know, at this point in time, um, you know, I think that the main thing everybody walked away from that session was you cannot protect everything in, in your data centers. So you really have to figure out what's the most um, critical things you have to protect and make sure those are protected because it's just in this day and age, everything is accessible at some point. Um, so that was sort of sobering to walk away from when you're talking to people who have been in the, the cyberspace for, for longer than most of us have because of their back and ground in military or in government. Um, you know, isn't Oracle the company that, that spent a lot of time talking about how secure, how much more secure cyberspace was, how much more secure the cloud was than on-premise solutions? Didn't well, they yeah. spend a lot of time talking about that? They do, and and I think they're they're still right on that. I mean, I I think what 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 we're hearing from the you know the the experts on this panel is that you know, because it's a human factor, right? Um, you know, people can walk out the door with data, they can download information, they can move things around, right? Things are accessible. And, and unless you completely take humans out of the, the um, equation, which is to some extent part of what Oracle is doing um, in their idea of sort of separating these containers between cloud control and 
data and control uh, programming that is for sort of applications and the users. Uh, the other thing that Oracle is doing is they are doing autonomous patches and fixes. So using their AI technology to not have a human being catch all of the sort of hacks and uh, security issues and patches that need to be done, but having AI do it, identify it, and fix it out automatically from um, their explanation of it. So, you know, I think the message is nobody's perfect, but we're better than everybody else. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's just it's just it's just a pretty sobering change. The the thing that people were concerned about in the early stages of cloud adoption was security, and and Oracle was the chief poo-pooer of the idea that that um, security would be an issue. Yeah, I, I don't think they're changing the message that cloud is not better than on-premise. I think there's a clear distinction that on-premise, that in the cloud, they're looking and watching and monitoring your data better than you would be able to if you had on-premise environments. Um, but what they are saying is that nothing's you know, perfect, right? Uh, which I think uh, we have seen in, in multiple uh, ways over the last couple of years. Um, interestingly, on the HCM side, they also have a released a new security and fraud monitoring tool. So that sort of goes along with their stance that they are going to be the most security-based um, um, technology. This is a new program that, that um, you know, one of the things about HR technology is to, to oftentimes to get alerts about if things have been changed in your profile or if your payslip or anything has been changed, you have to configure that. You have to set those settings, right? <clears throat> and then you have to sort of know which things you're watching for. Well, Oracle has now packaged together security and fraud monitoring tools that automatically go into the technology that basically notify the users of all the places that they've identified that could be risk areas and you get automatic notifications of things that are changing in your profile, in your payroll uh, environments, in your talent management environments that have an impact on you personally that could mean that somebody's in there changing things, which that's the best practice that we've seen in the um, cybersecurity space, technology space, is constant notification of any changes or updates to your um, information. So that's a new thing that they've rolled out this week. They who also else have, offers that? I think, who, who else go offers ahead. That? What? Who else offers that, that constant monitoring of your data and reporting <laughs> when there are changes? Well, I don't know that they're at the employee level. I mean, we know that ADP offers it at the sort of server payroll level, right? They have constant monitoring if there are issues or um, you're seeing spikes in certain areas or you're seeing um, risk of people being able to access data in ways they shouldn't. I don't know about the employee level on that, though. You might know better uh, or have remember that, but I, I don't know. Most of the time, these are server alerts that, that go to the administrators. This sounds like this is going more to the direct to the user. Yeah, no, this, this sounds like a, an interesting step forward in the idea that you own your own data <laughs> and you should be made aware of what's going on with your own data. That's, that actually sounds like a pretty interesting story. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> That's like, I think their message here has been um, much more that, that security is as much of a process issue as it is a, a technical issue, right? It, it's, a, it's as much about 
knowing what's happening as it is about sort of the technology being able to, to fix it immediately. Uh, another thing that's along the same lines of this is they've rolled out their responsive UI design, which is basically um, they've, they're, they're moving away. I mean, we see this back and forth between whether or not it's a downloadable app that you use for HR technology or whether it's using the exact same site, but it's responsive and, and goes directly into whatever your mobile environment should be looking at or your, your tablet environment should be looking at. Well, um, Oracle's gone headfirst into responsive and they're basically have now made all, by the end of this year, I believe the announcement was that all of their websites, all of their areas would be completely responsive um, and this new design. But what's really interesting is they also have um, uh, location-based access control so that now if you're in certain areas, you're even though you have access to content, it's restrict. You can, as a company, decide what you can see inside the company location versus what you can see outside the company location. So, for example, they might allow employees who have access inside the company location to look at profiles or payroll information of employees, those type of things. Outside the company location, they may only allow to be able to see their own personal payslip, right, and the um, yeah. solution. So that's interesting as well. I I do know that other organizations have talked about similar sort of geolocation sort of guardrails as we talk it, right? Um, but I don't know that they are specifically making it this configurable. That's one of the things I'd have to investigate. So that's one of the other things they mentioned this week. Hmm. Well, and then, you know, we should probably skip ahead because, because time is tight. There are big American investments in um, Chinese HR tech companies. Yeah, kind of bouncing off of your, your uh, trip that you did, Matrix Partners um, is co-leading a $100 million Series E uh, round. And, and so Series E, getting to Series E, first of all, is, is a big, <laughs> you really move through the sort of funding model there. But in Chinese cloud-based HR firm, I'm going to say Bison. It could be Bison, B-E-I-S-E-N. This is a company that I didn't have any experience with previously. I don't think you have as either. But they're a talent management application, um, not even a core HRMS. They're a talent management application that serves around 5,000 organizations right now um, in the SaaS cloud market. Um, and they do um, all the various sort of performance management, succession planning, employee engagement type of things. Um, $100 million is a lot of money in an organization. Does, does this surprise you, John, after what you saw this week? Well, so, so there's, there's a couple of pieces that are, that are really useful to put together. Um, one is the size of the Asian market is, it's got to be four to five times the size of the American market anyhow, maybe more. Maybe more, and, and, and so 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 a hundred million dollars doesn't go nearly as far uh, from a market penetration perspective um, as it does as it does here. And the fact that they're at Series mm -hmm. E and are still able to to acquire funding from Sequoia uh, means yeah. that they're onto something, uh, and and. I 
think we're going to be talking more and more about the growth in HR tech in non-American marketplaces because because the American marketplace looks a lot like what you experienced at Oracle Open World this week. Yeah. And and these are China and India are full of green fields, full of opportunities to build new accounts and to think about things in new ways and to to use culture differentiation as a way of sharpening the value that HR delivers through technology. So I, I'm really excited about this. I'm blown away. There are not a lot of $100 million deals. And this is a sort of a talent management and recruiting company. There, there are no $100 million deals in talent management and recruiting. Not right now. Yeah, not here. Yeah, that I thought was was really fascinating. And 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 you know, like I said, this is this is on top of several other fun, you know, series rounds of funding that and were just as big, 110 million, 18 million, right? I mean, those are are pretty big numbers. So I think you know, um, there's something to watch. There's something to watch in general about you know the whole market as a whole, but also as these various organizations are getting investments um, in this market. Um, you know, I think one of the questions we often get is, you know, you know, the the sort of large enterprise companies that we deal with in Europe and the U.S. Will they be able to translate effectively in the Asia Pacific market? And and I think that's the big conversation. Or will many of the Asia Pacific markets have sort of their own regional um, specific um, leaders in those spaces? And and I guess we'll wait and see a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm quite interested in that uh, because the cultural differences are significant. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, another place that, that raised quite a bit of money this week, I thought, which was sort of interesting, is an organization called Envoy. They raised $43 million in Series B funding. Now, this showed up in sort of the feed of things that came across for HR, but when we looked a little bit deeper at them, they're a San Francisco-based organization, but they're focused on um, the, the, the how people enter into your organization. So they are sort of uh, an organization that has an automated way of sort of having your front desk person sort of replaced almost, right? The the person who sort of says, you know, welcome to our organization. Where do you go? What can we do, right? Who do you need to see? Um, so their entry and lobby management to some extent, they also do some sort of package delivery uh, management tools as well. Um, so, but they're calling this an an engagement tool as well for your employees. That was sort of interesting. And I think, you know, we're seeing an expanded look at what HR technology too, right? Um, and this is a, another one that's getting a large amount of money and it's seen as part of the workforce management tools, but it's not something I think I would have traditionally considered HR. What about you, John? Does this surprise you as, a, as an HR conversation? Uh, I think I think the definition of HR is expanding, and, and that's a really good time to um, let you know a little bit about our sponsor. You're listening to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumser. Did you know that 86% of career seekers would commit five years to an employer offering a student loan repayment benefit program? Even more amazing, only 4% of employees offer one. BenefitEd makes it easy to introduce this in-demand benefit any time of year. Simple administration for you, simple sign-up for employees. You can help them pay down student loans or save for college. Compete for the best and build your dream team. 
Learn more at youbenefited.com slash hrtech. That's y-o-u-benefited.com slash hrtech. See, that's that's another part of the expansion of, of yeah. the array of things that mean HR tech. So, so at um, Envoy, where they are sort of running the um, is is an Envoy the one? Or Envoy deliveries yep. and Envoy visitors. Yeah, where they're running the visitors desk and package logistics inside of the company. You, you see this this slow expansion of what HR actually is responsible for. I think we're going to see more. I would agree. I mean, I think the the idea of what HR is going to sort of own, especially as some of the administrative elements become more automated. You know, I think you know, there's been this big conversation. Well, will HR be automated out of work? I think that's sort of laughable because so much more is falling under their purview now. Anything that sort of touches the employee, and to some extent, candidates or people visiting your organization, right? Also tends to fall into the HR space in some way, so it's it's expanding without a doubt. So, yeah, so we have went through our our time frame already, John, and we haven't even gotten to some interesting things like Teamable <clears throat> raising five million dollars, um, or ServiceNow's updates, or what's going on with Spot. So we'll have a, definitely a lot more to cover next week when we we uh, get back into some of the news things that are happening. Well, it's always great to spend the half hour with you, and and I, and I do want to thank Benefit Ed again for sponsoring the show. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks for doing thanks this. Thanks, Yeah. All right. You've been listening to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer, with Stacey Harris and John Sumter, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye now. Yeah.